Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy, Mac. Joining me today, my friend, my co-host, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. Corey, what's going on, my brother? I'm doing all right. Uh, the, the Northeast is getting hammered by the smog from the fires in Canada. So, you know, that's pretty sweet. So uh, if you don't want to go outside, it's a great day for you. <laughs> I keep hearing about that. I, I wasn't sure what that quite was. So at least I didn't either until I went outside and I was like, hmm, you know, there's a, a thickness to the air that isn't normally there. <laughs> the <air. laughs> oh, man. Um, this is a Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. So we're going to stick to it and we're just going to jump right in, man. Donovan Mitchell, we know there's a lot of talk going on recently. It's all speculation, all rumors, all just off-season talk and chatter, but it still has not sat right with some Cavs fans. And I I know that you're you're kind of among this bunch, but I just want to get your opinion um, just, just on the record. In a recent, I think it was a podcast appearance, if I'm not mistaken, that Donovan Mitchell did, said some things that didn't did not leave the best tastes in Cleveland fans' mouths. But I mean, for me, you know, topic of conversation, I believe, was Madison Square Garden and how awesome it is to play there, basically, and him alluding to that. And a lot of people are kind of putting two to two and two together based upon his affinity for New York, because that's where he's from. Uh, you know, that's probably where he has envisioned himself playing at some point, even prior to being traded to Cleveland. I'm sure that's one of the destinations that he wanted to go to. But just to put it to you in a question, man, the recent comments that Donovan Mitchell made out there during that podcast uh, appearance, how how did that leave you feeling? I'd be lying if I said it made me feel great. Um, but overall, I... I feel like Mitchell isn't like one of those players who is tactically putting statements out there to put pressure on ownership or the GM, like some of our, yeah, (laughs) he's not LGMing it, you know, trying to put his fingers over the entire team. But at the same time, when you're in a situation that the Cavs are in, where you kind of put every chip you had into one basket and that basket's going around shopping itself, or now I don't even know if he's like shopping himself, but he's certainly leaving enough breadcrumbs that one could point down the road to, Oh, well, in this article, if you remember, he talked about how electric Madison square garden is. And yes, Madison square garden is widely known league wide as one of the best places to play. It's just an electric atmosphere. The fans are crazy in a good way when you're the home team and they're crazy in a bad way when you're the away team. So I can see why Donovan felt so strongly about it. And we also just lost to them. So that probably also doesn't help that you're hearing your best player going like, man, even those games we lost, like that atmosphere was insane (laughs) because I'm just sitting there being like, yeah, those games sucked. I, I that's how I would describe it, but I'm glad you had a good time, Donovan. And I talked about this Donovan Mitchell situation to um, friends of the pod, Tony and Jackson Flickinger. And I was saying it would feel a lot worse if Donovan was the only player who performed well in this Knicks Cavs series Mm -hmm. and the team around him was floundering. But I didn't think anyone really played well in that series. Donovan Mitchell certainly dropped the ball in the way that we were seeing all regular season. And that's why I kind of feel 
good because I know Donovan's a competitive player and I don't think he'll be satisfied knowing that he also didn't bring his best on the best stage. So to go back to your original question with uh, Madison Square Garden, I it, it just aggravates me that he is saying enough that there's breadcrumbs on the table and not enough saying like how you don't really see statements saying how he's excited for to see how this next season goes with this Cavalier roster, but it's like nitpicking at this point. It's like, I'm bored. Oh, I see a sentence that Donovan Mitchell said, (laughs) let me just react about it because it's the only Cavalier (laughs) news that we have. Literally. That's it. Like we're in the part of the off season where like you get one little chunk of information or you see something that makes the headline and immediately people become reactionary. Uh, I mean, that's just, that's what fans do. I get it. You know, we're all guilty of doing that at some level that we see. Um, I think some of that to me was like just innocent, an innocent comment about Madison Square Garden because we know that shit is rocking. I mean, I'm sure we've we've heard many stars talk about how awesome it is to to play at Madison Square Garden. I mean, there there are probably players in this league that just cherish the very opportunity to go out there and 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 play there. We've had we've heard so many guys go out there and talk about it. But, um, you know, in, in light of the recent series, I do understand why it would be somewhat upsetting to fans where they just like watch Donovan Mitchell's play fall off a cliff <laughs> uh, in that series. I mean, he, he was not his normal self. It did not appear um, at, at certain levels. It just didn't look like he was fully engaged. Uh, 23.2 points, uh, 7.2 assists. Shot the 43.3% from the field and 28.9% from three-point range in those five games. I mean, that's that might sound like a decent stat line for, for a lot of players. But f- by Donovan Mitchell's, you know, his his expectations and standards that he set for himself, that just was not look out there. And he looked to have wilted. So uh, for me, the only thing that I'm taking away from it is that Donovan Mitchell, you know, maybe he was a little bit awestruck. To, to be playing there. Um, I, I really don't know. I, I can't put too much stock into it. And I know a lot of people are like, well, now we only have a set amount of time to impress him before he just automatically bolts and leaves for New York. But um, tell me, man, do you really, do you honestly think that's the point we're at with him? Do you think like we're on the clock right now to prove to him that he should stay here or give him a reason to actually stay because as of right now heading into this offseason he has two full seasons left on his contract before he can opt out of his player option which is in the, the offseason of 2025 26 i believe so there's two full seasons in between now and when he can become a free agent um do you think we're on the clock i think the minute that the Kobe made that trade. The Cavs are on the clock because with the assets that you invested, you need to know that you're going to get a good return. And that would mean that Donovan extends to stay in Cleveland. I don't necessarily think that Donovan feels that way, but I feel like the GM should feel that way. Like if we're, let's say the second year kind of goes like the first and it just seems like the Cavs first round exit kind of lots of finger pointing amongst like what solutions can be made, not amongst the players, but it's going to be like, Oh, did JB do enough? Did Jared Allen do enough? Did Darius do enough? Did Donovan do enough? Did Mobley make the jump enough? What's wrong with 
X, Y, and Z. And then the, if we go into the last year of Donovan Mitchell's contract and we don't have concrete things in place as to where growth is and why it's sustainable, then I wouldn't, I would rather probably operate under the mindset that we should be looking to see what moves we can make to at least return some of the investment that we lost in Donovan Mitchell. If things are looking like in the last year of his contract and that the team isn't going to make that championship push that maybe there's, there might need to be some moves made to kind of reconcile. Cause I think that this Cavaliers team is still young enough that it's not like if Donovan Mitchell leaves, like when LeBron left that we're all like, Oh man, wow. There's like nothing to work with here. <laughs> <It's barren. laughs> like you still have ideally Allen Mobley and Darius, which is a, was, was good enough to be one of the best teams in the East until injury struck a year ago. And you could say, Oh, we had Lowry Markinen too. But I, that the Lowry Markinen that we had versus the one that we're going to probably see in Utah from this point onward are two completely different players. One played within a defined role and the other one got told just to do whatever you want and run loose. It's your offense. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that Kobe, if he, I I think Kobe's smart enough to know if he sees writing on the wall, he's going to be proactive. I don't think Kobe is a reactive GM. I think he, kind of tries to sneak his way into anything as it becomes available. So I, I feel like the Cavs should operate like they're on the clock, but I don't think Donovan's going to be applying that pressure in this second year of his Cavs tenure whatsoever. I don't either. I think that he, he hasn't shown that he's the type of guy to drive a trade. Uh, I mean, even in Utah, it, it, he didn't exactly force himself out. I mean, the, the, the writing was on the wall there with that pairing with him and Gobert. Um, Utah knew, you know, they, they, they did what needed to be done in order to hard reset there. And they executed that wonderfully for Cleveland. Um, you know, I think I too believe if Kobe gets the sense that Donovan is not long for Cleveland and that he's going to eventually want out. Um, I think you play out this full season, 23, uh, 2023, 24. I think you play, play the full season out, see what kind of improvement has been made, see how far you get, uh, in the playoffs and then go into the into that offseason and see what have that conversation with Donovan like are you are you going to commit here are you going to commit to staying long term stuff like that and if you get this sense that he's probably not going to do that you can talk about the options about possibly rerouting him somewhere else and recouping some of those assets um, I don't think that's what's going to end up happening I just want to put that out there but it, you have to keep all the options open uh, in, in order to, you know, not lose him for, for just anything, uh, considering what was shipped out in order to obtain him. Now, you know, you mentioned some moves that could possibly be made to, you know, while the window, it, while we're here operating on this you know, proverbial clock. Um, if you are the Cavs and, and you're just looking down the roster right now, you're, you're looking at what is available to actually be moved out there. Is there a specific move that you had in mind that would kind of shore up everything? Is there any one move out there in particular, any one trade you could make right now that would fix the biggest hole on the roster, which is that of uh, the need of a true upgrade at the three? I don't think there's really big moves that can be made for a three based on how coveted that position still is. The Cavs are going to kind of have to operate in the margins and free agency, but you know, names aren't available or are on like 
in the news now that we don't even know that teams are shopping necessarily. I mean, no one kind of saw the Torian Prince for Ricky Rubio trade a few years ago. That kind of came out of the blue in the offseason. No one really saw the Lowry and Larry Nance swap. That kind of came out of nowhere as well. Um, so I, I have been thinking about trades, but the two names I come up with are more just to shore up the backup point guard position. Cause I think at the end of the season, I was like, Oh, I'd be fine riding another season of Ricky Rubio <laughs> to kind of see what he has going on. But the more I think about it, the, the lack of offensive punch he provides. And it kind of feels like, as we saw in that Knicks series, we were kind of playing a man down offensively because his shot wasn't great last season. And statistically, even though cast fans think differently, it wasn't even that great the season. We all fell in love with him either. So names that I've been kind of thinking around are, I, I, I really like the idea of Mike Conley coming to the Cavs. I don't, I, I didn't ESPN trade machine, any of these names, by the way. So I don't necessarily have a package. I'm sure, I'm sure that Minnesota would want something in return, seeing as they're also trying to grow. They're not going to, we can't just be like, we'll give you the corpse of Ricky Rubio. And you know, <laughs> you can also have the draft rights to n- name your European prospect. Um, so I, I would assume it would probably have to involve like Jetty, and I don't even know at that point. I can't even like think of a fake trade. I'm not Bill Simmons. I don't have those like spinning off the top of my head. <laughs> but I also really like the idea of Alex Caruso, which is an absolute like Chicago would just need to be like, you know what? We're tired of being stagnant. We're just a 500 team. We should just try to sell off for value at this point. Not that the Cavs can even offer first round picks, which I think Caruso would covet. So this is like, it would have to probably be a sign and trade involving Karis Levert in some aspect of it in order for it to probably work out. But at the end of the day, those are the two names at guard that really speak to like, those are the names I would want for the Cavs. I think that the, the bench was so atrocious last year. So like dismal in terms of scoring. I mean, we were relying on Karis pretty much to carry the bulk. Danny green would, show up once in a while, which was a nice refreshing touch. And Lamar would sometimes get minutes. Dean Wade was pretty much banged up all of last year. And we really had no backup big whatsoever. So I think I could, I, any move I will be very pleased with as a Cavs fan. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's just not a lot that can be done right now. You have the $12.2 million, um, MLE, the mid-level exception. You have the biannual exception, which is a little over four point four million, I believe. And then you have veteran minimum contracts that you can hand out. So you know we know that there are going to be some guys that the Cavs target on the margins. Um, you know we have needs at the wing. We have a need for a truly reliable backup big. You know third big. And, and in my opinion, I'd like to go stretch four there, but I recognize that there's not like a long list of those types of players that would be uh, available or highly effective. I feel like ideally that would be Isaiah Mobley is like where we would get that stretch for from. Cause otherwise you're kind of digging around Dario Saric type players. Yeah. For me that, I mean, that was going to be the name that I would suggest if you're going to go out there and try and get a guy on the cheat, but Isaiah Mobley theoretically, uh, you know, would be a good, you know, he would definitely be cost effective because you wouldn't have to throw a contract out there for real. You just have to sign him to the uh, to the big league roster, basically. And I'd love to see that happen. I just don't know the like the feasibility at this point of that uh, of that being the case. But we're we're definitely going to find out. 
Um, some of the names that we could potentially see entering free agency, i.e. Max Struess, guys like that, uh, Yuta Watanabe, there are definitely going to be names that the Cavs can go out there and pursue in free agency. But is there anybody just right off the top of your head at any one of these positions, whether it be a backup point guard, whether it be at a starting wing or backup wing, or um, even backup big that stand out to you right now as a guy that you're just like, man, we got to go after him. Yeah, I feel like with guards, I could I have one for pretty much the three positions between guard forward and center um i feel like guard wise whichever miami heat player between Struess and vincent is gonna require less money i feel like based on the way this these playoffs are going it's probably gonna be Struess because gabe vincent is on an absolute tear and Struess is just one of those stereotypes i think duncan robinson is really gonna cool off people on the Max Struess contract because when Duncan Robinson was going off in the bubble, I remember people were like, would you rather have Duncan Robinson or the first pick in the draft in that upcoming season? And that was the LaMelo Anthony Edwards Wiseman year. And it was closer than you would like to think. And so I think people aren't going to be that desperate to throw that money at Struess. And that's someone I think the Cavs could definitely benefit from having. It's hypothetically what Sam Merrill should be or Dylan Windler could have been for the Cavs. So I could see them deciding that they would rather just kind of see what Sam Merrill has in the tank versus that. But that was the two guards that I would look at. I also, as much as I want to vomit in my mouth when I say it, Kelly Oubre is a half decent player to try to take a look at. I mean, he fits the mold of what the Cavs are looking for. Unfortunately, I've watched enough Kelly Oubre in my life to uh, know that you're not going to get the player you're expecting to have. Like <laughs> Golden State thought they had an absolute deal when they had him originally, and they quickly tried to push him out immediately once he entered their system. I mean, Golden State is one of the easiest offenses to get generate good looks from because all their other players you're sharing the floor with have such a gravity to them. And Kelly Oubre had probably his worst season as a pro on the Golden State Warriors whatsoever. But he honestly, for the money that you would pay, he could are he could play that starting three if need be for the Cavs if that's what they really want. And for the bigs, I mean, the two names that have been floating around honestly intrigue me. Between Nas Reed and Mason Plumley, though, I would probably want Nas Reed just because he's younger. Yeah. But Mason Plumley will probably be cheaper, but there's the. I, I, Mason Plumley, sometimes when I watch him, looks like he has cement <laughs> attached to his feet. Like, I get he's going to be a backup big, but you don't want to be in post. Like, this is such a reach, but like, you know, like you're watching Cody Zeller in Miami right now. And any time that he's up against a mobile big, you're kind of just hoping that you kind of float around a plus zero plus or minus. I feel like in the postseason, if we're playing Mason Plumley to guard some of these more mobile centers case in point, like what if he has to guard bam? Like I would not see that necessarily being a thing. So Nas Reed to me is more athletic and I think more versatile. So that's the player between the two, but I think he'll, he'll be more expensive than Plumley will be. These are all good names, though. I, I love all of them. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and start with Streets. Now, for me, I know you mentioned Sam Merrill. This is a guy I'd love to see get an opportunity. What separates Merrill from Streets, as stupid as it sounds, it's just size. It's height. 
I mean, you look at the volume too at, at, at which both have taken over the course of their NBA careers. And, you know, Strews obviously has more experience at this point in time with Merrill spending the bulk of his time, at least last season with the G league affiliate Cleveland charge, where he shot an absurdly high amount from three point range, but just, you know, didn't quite latch on with the Cavs early enough to actually warrant an opportunity. So he only saw five appearances, I believe during the uh, regular season with the Cavs Strews, on the other hand, he shot 35% from three-point range this season on seven attempts uh, per game this season. And that's a huge drop down from the 41%, I believe, that he shot last season. Uh, for me, a lot of people, you know, I've heard this comparison thrown out there. A lot of people think that Struce is no different than a Jetty Osman. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that comparison be made, but I have seen that thrown out and bandied about a lot in the last couple of days. I don't like it. Um, I think Struce is 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 a better shooter than Jetty. I think he is a little bit more consistent than Jetty. And I think that at the end of the day, if you could just add him to the roster, it adds additional spacing. He doesn't have to start. He doesn't have to be a guy out there looking undersized, uh, you know, at six foot five next to Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell at the starting three. Um, I don't know if that would really help the Cavs because of what you're giving up from a defensive standpoint. But I do think that adding the spacing that he could provide would be a worthwhile get on a mid-level exception. I do agree with you from the fact that um, I think he could be the odd man out in Miami because they have to worry about whether or not who they're going to resign when it comes to Vincent and Struess. And we already know that they gave Duncan Robinson a pretty hefty amount. Um, so they have some decisions to make over there. And if Struess ends up becoming available, the Cavs need to be making a phone call because we just don't know what other wings that can actually shoot the ball, um, you know, that a rotation caliber will be available in the, in, in the off season. So I think he's definitely a name to keep an eye on. Um, at the big position, Nas Reed absolutely love what he could bring to the table. Um, it's been rumored that he wants at least 10 mil. I want to say at least 10 mil. So I don't know if that's changed since the article came out. And I think that was back around February. Cavs at 12.2 million could definitely offer that. But the other problem is that he also is seeking a starting position. Cavs definitely cannot give him that. Not with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen on the roster. But – they could give him a high-minute role. So him being able to come to Cleveland, being able to space the floor, would give them the flexibility to play him alongside either Jared Allen or Evan Mobley when either one needs to take a breather. Or you could play him in small ball lineups at center, um, you know, and have some of the other guys out there that can shoot. Um, I don't know how I feel about using the MLE to target him specifically if other wings are available. But if you strike out on a Struess, if you strike out on a guy like a Grant Williams or something like that, um, I definitely think that you should uh, you should be throwing offers towards Reed. Now, Plumlee, um, the cement shoes thing, that's hilarious to me. Uh, I just don't think any center you could get out there right now is going to look any different than that. No. <laughs> um, I just like the market right now is kind of barren for true backup, you know, veteran centers out there. You're just not going to find a lot of guys that uh, that can space the floor or are highly effective. So um, taking a shot on uh, Plumlee would be a good idea, in my opinion. I like the idea of Dario Saric. Um, I think that's definitely a name that the Cavs should uh, should be taking a look at due to his ability to space the floor. And I think he has underrated passing ability. 
Um, doesn't rebound the ball quite as well as you'd want him to at his size, but he can still pull him down at a respectable amount. Uh, those are just some of the guys that I think that the Cavs should be taking a look at here. But honestly, man, I just I'm not sure what this offseason is going to hold. Uh, the Cavs have kind of backed themselves into a corner from like an assets, you know, uh, standpoint. So we're going to be taking some chances here this offseason. Um, man, while we on here, I have to ask because we've seen it pop up time and time again this offseason with the Miami Heat in the finals now. Your boy Kevin Love. <laughs> um, I, you know, you and me were on two different, uh, you know, sides here in regards to the Kevin Love thing at the time. I think mm-hmm. that you were along the lines of we should have held on to Kevin Love and we let him go too early. Um, as a lot of people now come out and say they are, and a lot of people felt that way at the time, myself, I thought it was okay. I thought it was time to go ahead and let him go. You know, he was on the bench for a reason, but it's starting to look like we let him go way too early. So I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on, uh, on whether or not you think that that was just like the ultimate blunder by Kobe Altman and company. Now that we have seen him start meaning and play meaningful minutes in the NBA finals, man. Well, um, you know, I don't know if I would say like having Kevin Love was necessarily going to change the Knicks-Cavs outcome, but it certainly would have been a useful player off the bench. And like I said before, that Cavaliers bench was atrocious throughout the whole season and throughout the playoffs. So getting those minutes would have certainly helped. And while I while Kevin Love is starting, it's not like I necessarily feel like we really missed something in that sense because I truly feel like Kevin Love is playing or starting right now truly to balance off the Aaron Gordon against the smaller defender mismatch, which is what they immediately did in game one and they just attacked it. So they can't, you can't possibly start Martin if you just know that that's what's going to happen, but this isn't a finals analysis series. (laughs) And, 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 um, I would love for Kevin Love to be on this Cavs team, but I think that ship has sailed. I think it's more likely he's probably just going to re-up with Miami at this point. And I don't, as much as I'd love for Kevin Love to come back, I think that relationship is sour, to say the least, um, at the given time. But, you know, retirement could change things. Maybe he'll, I know he'll have his jersey retired in Cleveland one day. But Absolutely, yeah. I feel like if we're going to go down that stretch, the Cavs definitely do need a stretch four. And you saying Grant Williams completely reminded me that I definitely wanted Grant Williams <laughs> on the Cavs because he's actually a pretty decent defender at most times. He's like one of the best players in the league at defending Giannis for some reason. And like, he can shoot the ball. Yeah. And he'll, he'll make both free throw. Oh yeah. Well, never mind about that. <laughs> um, but overall, he's really good at instigating the other team. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, no. He's an energy guy. Shot 39.5% from three-point range. I mean, to me, he'd be a great addition. I also, you know, this it really isn't an important factor, but he certainly would fit the personality of the team that we have. I feel like it's a bunch of fun guys, and Grant Williams seems like one of those very personable players. I feel like he would like become a fan favorite almost immediately. 
But in terms of the basketball, I think he would be a good fit overall. We would pretty much use him the same way we used Kevin Love for the most part. He'd be one of the first players off the bench. And if he has it going, he'd probably stay on. And if he doesn't, he'd probably just not play. And he's one of those players that would probably use up most of the MLE. And that is one of the very few players that I look at this free agency that I would be fine with. Man, that motherfucker will use all the MLE. I mean, you use Cy Grant Williams, you're probably looking at all your MLE being gone and being faced with having to use the biannual exception or just veteran minimums. But at that point, like, if you are able to get Grant Williams, I feel fine about that. You have to, if you use the full mid-level exception on him, I can live with that. Just bring in a, um, Bring in a serviceable shooter, you know, a, a Yuta Watanabe, you know, somebody like that on a cheaper contract with the biannual exception. Maybe still sign a true backup five, somebody like a Bismack Biombo. Those are uh, cheap, though. Like center centers that do that role, you could find right now off the scrap heap. Like, <laughs> Tristan Thompson. <laughs> Tristan I, Thompson. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I feel like it, you don't have to look far to find that type of center. It's just getting them into your building is the thing because there's going to be playoff teams that have championship aspirations that those veteran centers are going to be more likely to go to. That's why we end up with Robin Lopez, who is just as immobile as ever. <laughs> I think this, I think there's a difference though, between last off season and this off season. I think teams now or players rather now see that Cleveland is one of these teams on the come up and that could very easily turn into a contender if we shore up some of these holes, like if you can get a real shooter off the bench, or if you can get a quality three and D wing that is capable of starting, um, you know, and if you get a true playable third big, I think these things, you know, t- players will start to look at Cleveland as a destination, at least to, you know, to, to play meaningful minutes when they know and they see that there are, there is a need for some of these roles. Like back of five, I think you could certainly entice a guy enough to come out and play for Cleveland because there is a real need for that. It's not like you're just going to be sitting on the bench and playing and playing a Robin Lopez role or Ed Davis type of role where you're you might play spot minutes every now and then if there's like a absurd amount of injuries or we're resting guys. There is a true need right right now for those positions. So I don't think you would have too much of a problem getting a center. I think the Cavs, like the biggest problem they're going to have this offseason is acquiring a wing. Um, I think that's going to be the biggest problem that we're going to run into this this offseason. Maybe not necessarily problem, but the biggest challenge that we face right now is going to be finding a wing who can actually shoot. Um, there's some names out there to keep an eye on that we've already talked about. Um, they're going to undoubtedly be more. Um, you know, as as the off season actually opens, guys opt out of their uh, opt out of their current contracts. You know, keep an eye on guys like Bruce Brown. Uh, you know, players like that. There's definitely going to be some guys that are available. The problem is just going to be having the money to be able to acquire them. Um, we have a lot to look forward to, man. Um, the Cavs have some decisions to make. They have uh, they made some progress this season. They're still. In you know the window has not necessarily opened in regards to title contention, but I think we're we're on the right path here. And prior to that, you know, prior to the season starting, after making the Mitchell acquisition, we all know what Kobe said. He said this is still going to be a work in progress, basically. You know, and we did that. We just need to trust the process. And, and I'm trying to do that, as frustrating as it can be, but uh, that's that's kind of the predicament that we find ourselves in right now. It's just 
trying to trust Kobe Oldman to and company to make the right call here. Um, yeah. You know, as we close out here today, man, um, we've seen a lot of firings. We have seen a lot of firings, and I would be remiss if I did not ask your thoughts on uh, where we stand right now as a fan base with J.B. Bickerstaff. Do you think the Cavs are making the right call here with some of these coaches that are available and not firing J.B. and going after them? Yeah, I, I asked myself that same question. As you see all the names that it would probably be ideal if you were out on JB to take a swing at one of these coaches, the Nick nurses, Boone hosers, not doc rivers, Jesus Christ. That would suck. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no Monty Williams. Those names were the most appealing to me. I think they all have a championship pedigree and caliber to them. That's been proven with rosters that they have grown with. And I, I, I understand why you keep JB I, I'm not upset that we did. I just feel like it's going to be one of those things that if this team shows up the same way they did the fa- next season, people are going to be like, oh, my God, we missed out on Budenholzer. We missed <laughs> out on Monty Williams and Nick Nurse. And then the Cavs are going to be like, oh, we're upgrading one of our assistants. We, or we, uh, the we missed only out t- on Frank Vogel too, right? Uh, yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm, I am much lower on Frank Vogel. I think if we're going from JB to Frank Vogel, that is just not great. Cause you're going from a defensive minded coach to a defensive minded coach. At the end of the day, I feel like the Cavs, if they get rid of JB, they're just going to go all in on an offensive team. I think they're going to be like, we have enough defensive stalwarts that we can overcome any defensive uh, deficiencies that we have. So at the end of the day, I think the Cavs just obviously are happy with what they have. They think there's room for growth for both the roster and JB. So I, I trust them this season, but I can tell you what, if, if, <laughs> if we do the same thing next season and Ty Lue's available and we could bring him back, I will be the first person to sign up. <laughs> And do that swap immediately, <laughs> bro. You ain't got to tell me twice. Look, if Tyler was available this offseason, as big as like a, a fan of JB as I have been, like a biggest supporter of I has uh, as I have been with JB, and make no mistake, I think JB deserves another season. Twenty two wins, forty four wins, fifty one wins. Progression, postseason record it ain't looking great right now, but it's a, such a short sample size that I can't really, you know, hold it against him too much. Uh, but if Tyler was available even right now, I'm saying bye. See you, JB. <laughs> Kick rocks. Bring I'll drive me. him to the airport. <laughs> exactly. Give me Tyler at a heartbeat over JB if uh, if Tyler was available. No offense. Uh, but I am perfectly fine riding out this season, seeing what JB can do with an upgraded bench, um, you know, more depth and whatnot, and then making a decision at that point. Because I think if you had similar, uh, similarly to what you were saying, if we have and we experience the same type of season and it ends in the same result as it did this year, and you just kind of get your ass kicked in the postseason, no, JB's probably out, and you're probably looking at having to just completely retool that coaching staff, um, which I'm fine with at that point. I I will put that on the record right now. If we suck ass this upcoming season, or if we don't make any progress, you got to let JB go because there's too much talent at the top, at least on this team, to fall into the same type of season, Uh, especially if you're able to upgrade in some of the areas that we need upgrades at. But, um, you know, happy to hear you say that, because I know a lot of people are just like, man, fuck JB, 
get him out of here. We're <laughs> we're 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 um we're wasting time here on the Donovan Mitchell clock or you know, there are too many guys available that we should be going after. So it is nice to hear somebody else agree with that. <laughs> it's um, how many level headed people out there, Mac? <laughs> I mean, that's what we uh, pride ourselves here on, right? Uh, being yeah. level headed. Uh, that said, as we always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out, you can at it's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the exclusive it's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to it's Cavalier 53 at gmail.com and we'll send you an invite. That said, go Cavs. Have a good one.